Patriots. Welcome to Canadian Patriot Radio. Today is July 25th, 2021, and I'm your host, Critch. <clears throat> kind of a good song to describe what a lot of us are feeling these days. <laughs> and uh, this first article is the reason why. Uh, this comes to us by way of the Foundation for Economic Education, and the title reads, Daily COVID deaths in Sweden hit zero as other nations brace for more lockdowns. Sweden isn't in the, in the news much these days, and, and there's a reason for that. This was written on th Thursday, July 22nd by John Miltmore. <clears throat> more than 100,000 people flooded the streets in France over the weekend, and multiple COVID vaccination centers were vandalized as opposition grew to the government's most recent pandemic strategy. In President Emmanuel Macron's latest incarnation of lockdowns, government officials have decreed that unvaccinated individuals will no longer be allowed to enter cafes, restaurants, theaters, public transportation, and more. Needless to say, people were not happy. France's approach is unique, but it's just one of many countries around the world imposing new restriction as fear grows over the new variant of COVID-19. Australia's recent restrictions have placed half the country under a strict lockdown. Even though <clears throat> a record 82,000 tests had identified just 111 new coronavirus cases. While restaurant, restaurants in Portugal are struggling to survive amid newly imposed restrictions. One country's not making much news. It is Sweden. Sweden, of course, was maligned in 2020 for foregoing a strict lockdown. The Guardian called its approach a catastrophe in the making, while CBS News said Sweden had become an example of how not to handle COVID-19. Despite these criticisms, Sweden's laissez-faire approach to the pandemic continues today. In contrast to its European neighbors, Sweden is welcoming tourists. Businesses and schools are open with almost no restriction. As far as masks are concerned, not only is there no mandate in place, Swedish health officials are not even recommending them. What are the results of Sweden's much de derided laissez-faire policy? Data show the seven-day rolling average for COVID deaths yesterday was zero, as in nada, and it's been at zero for about a week now. Even a year ago, it was clear that the hyperbolic claims about the, Swed the Swedish catastrophe were false. Just ask Elon Musk. But a year later, the evidence is overwhelming that Sweden got the pandemic mostly right. Sweden's overall mortality rate in 2020 was lower than most of Europe and its and its economy suffered far less. Meanwhile, today, Sweden is freer and healthier than virtually any other country in Europe. As much of the world remains gripped in fear and nations devise new restrictions to curtail basic freedoms, Sweden remains a vital and shining reminder that there is a better way. So, if you're a little bit out of the Swedish loop, uh, they never did anything for lockdowns whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> They were kind of like, yeah, no, we're just going to go back to the old way and uh, uh, we're just going to risk it with, uh, with a virus that has a 99.98% survival rate. And uh, they were basically the only country in the world um, that took a common sense approach to it. And look at where they are now. You know, they're not pushing vaccines on their people. They didn't lock anything down. You don't even need to wear masks. And looks like they got a beat. 
How about the rest of the world? What are we facing now? The rest of the world is going right back into lockdown, except for out here in Western Canada, but we're fully aware that it's going to come this fall. So we're getting a prequel to, uh, I think, what, what we're going to see in Canada in the fall with the UK or uh, parts of Europe, um, because now we're starting to see that uh, COVID is on the rise. And the thing that they leave out of the, the news the most is the fact that it's, it's it mostly in vaccinated people. So, you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't know how many times that uh, so-called heavy air quotes conspiracy theorists have to be proven right before people start actually looking at the information themselves and spending the time and figuring out what is the, what is actually the truth because everything coming from the media and your government is not, is the farthest thing from the truth that I think we could possibly get at this point. So they are actively trying to cover up the fact that um, now double vaccinated people are your most hospitalized um, and your highest mortality rate of COVID uh, over in the EU. Unfortunately for them, that information already has made its way to us and we've been reporting it now for a couple shows. But it's just, uh, it's, it's neat to see that in the, in the heart of the EU, you do have one country that had common sense and that, be, that is Sweden. And, uh, you know, they just want to completely ignore everything they did, which was everything, which was what every other country should have took, should have been taking notes and doing the exact same thing. You know, it's not too late. You know, hopefully over here in the Skatch and in Berta, we can just kind of, if they try to impose lockdowns again, we can kind of just say no, but I guess we'll see how that goes in the future. But it would take all of, well, it wouldn't take all of us. It would take all the 30% of the unvaccinated to band together. That You wouldn't even need 30%. Even if you got 10, 10% of each province's population to do what France is doing, uh, it would make them sit back a little bit and go, okay, uh, we are not very popular anymore with our uh, lockdown mandates and mass mandates and the rest of this uh, infringements on, on people's freedoms. <laughs> People are not having it anymore. And, <clears throat> you know, a big, the biggest part that, um, you know, the biggest... I guess, system to blame uh, in the fact that people are just unaware that there are rise-ups happening against lockdown mandates is the media. But, you know, you guys are fully aware. You can find all this information yourselves, and a lot of you are bringing it to me. <clears throat> so, I don't know. It's, it's just really cool to see that we actually have proof now that the lockdowns d- uh, did absolutely nothing and that countries that didn't do any part, any didn't have any part of the lockdowns are actually in way better shape than the ones that did. And yet you still got this threat in Canada in particular of this looming lockdown that's coming. And uh, I don't know. The proof is in the pudding, so to speak, because you can just look at Sweden and say, yep, it's all bullshit. It really is. Anyway, my friends, let's get the show started. We'll be right back. Welcome, friends, to Canadian Patriot Radio, where conspiracy is not theory and political corruption finds the spotlight.
At CPR, we are committed to upholding Canadians' God-given rights to life, liberty, and freedom with all thy sons. Command. Welcome back, everybody. Um, what I want to do next is turn the focus over to uh, the way the narrative is shifting. Um, we've been preparing for this on this show, as of you guys, for quite some time. We knew that they were going to shift the narrative to blame the unvaccinated for the cases coming in. Now, I'm going to direct your attention to a Guardian article, <laughs> just about as bad as the CBC. Um, and the title reads, Republican governor says it's, it's time to start blaming unvaccinated for rising cases. Alabama's KIV says a surge in new infections is due to a reluctant reluctance among many in state to get inoculated. Uh, this is by Ollie Millman, and it was written on Friday, July 23rd. <clears throat> the Republican governor of Alabama has said it is time to start blaming the unvaccinated folks for the rising cases of COVID-19 amid concerns that months of misinformation over the need and efficacy of vaccines is fueling a resurgence of coronavirus infection in several states. Kay Ivey said the vaccines are the greatest weapon we have to fight COVID. Oh boy. And added that a surge in new cases of the coronavirus in Alabama is due to reluctance among many people to in the state to get inoculated. Only about a third of eligible people in Alabama have got a vaccine shot, one of the lowest rates in the U.S. And way to go, Alabama folks. That's, uh, that's great to see that... Uh, Alabama, I would say, is, is more awake than a big portion of the U.S. That's great to see. Folks are supposed to have common sense, said the Alabama governor, but it's time to start blaming the unvaccinated folks, not the vaccinated folks. It's the unvaccinated folks that are letting us down. <laughs> Ivy added that nearly all new hospitalizations and deaths due to COVID are unvaccinated people. These folks are choosing a horrible lifestyle of self-inflicted pain, she said. That statement right there, 100% false, uh, and we can prove it. The criticism of those who are eligible to be vaccinated and have chosen not to get the shot despite vaccines being available follows a concerted effort among conspiracy theorists and others on social media and conservative media outlets such as Fox News to sow baseless doubt over the safety or the need for vaccinations despite a slew of evidence over their ability to shield people from the worst effects of the virus, including death. That is also false. This right here, that whole that what exactly what we just read, is misleading and fake news. Uh, way to go, Guardian. I hope someone sues you over that, because that is complete crap. I, I sound like a broken record, but uh, the Guardian obviously doesn't have the ability to go on to each of the vaccine manufacturers' websites and look at what these vaccines do, which is only lessen these symptoms for 48 hours. That's it. It pisses me off that I have to keep saying this and I'm reading articles of people that are choosing to be completely oblivious to what these fucking vaccines, heavy air quotes, vaccines actually do, which is little to nothing. Little to nothing. 
Some of these falsehoods have been embraced by elected Republicans, while other senior party members have refused to actively endorse the uptake of vaccines, citing personal choice. Oh, you mean freedom? <laughs> Jeez, even just the way this is written, right? You got to hand it to the writers of these, uh, you know, the, uh, the writers that go along with this t- um, fascist, you know, overtone that we're starting to see in North America, which I never thought I'd be alive to witness in my life. I never thought I would see... Um, freedom getting getting stomped on in the u.s and canada the way it is right now it's absolutely incredible but the fact that they write these articles in such a way like this this condescending overtone that they they you know everybody that's not getting it is basically just an idiot you know they might as well just write it the way they want to and that's what it would sound like others such as the senate minority leader and kentucky republican mitch mcconnell have stated their support for vaccinations all along Though in an underst- underestimated way, and without policy, uh, publicly calling out more boisterous voices seeking to sow doubt. And in Alabama, so basically by not calling out the opposition, they, they aren't good enough for the Guardian, is basically what that means. And in Alabama and neighboring Mississippi, for example, reluctance to take the vaccine can be driven by economic factors as well, as politics or simple fear of a new vaccine. It's not even a fucking vaccine. You, could you get that right, uh, Guardian? It's not a vaccine. I just, I hate the fact that, the, that even that right there is a lie. And even myself, because I hear it so much, I even say it sometimes. And it's just, <clears throat> you know, you have to actively, uh, consciously try not to, to even repeat that false narrative. But also for many black residents, they struggle to overcome a historical mistrust of the government and the health system because of a history not just of neglect, but all but of raci- racist medical abuse. Really? Maybe we should talk about the Tuskegee experiment. <laughs> oh, they actually do. Such as the decades-long government-sponsored Tuskegee study where African-American men were coerced into a syphilis experiment. Well, what would you call this uh, getting people to take an experimental mRNA gene therapy? What would you call that? <clears throat> Ivy's comments on Thursday came as it had, as it has emerged that more than nine out of ten COVID deaths in the U.S. are now people who haven't been vaccinated. Bullshit. That is that is more bullshit. It's because the CDC is not actually reporting breakthrough cases of COVID in double vaccinated or single vaccinated people. So we can just call that out right now. That is complete bullshit, and we're going to get into that. Nonetheless, just 56.2 of eligible Americans have received at least one vaccine dose, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Overall, only 51% of Republicans said in mid-June that they had received at least one vaccine dose, versus 83% of Democrats, according to an APNORC poll. But in recent days, some leading conservatives have uh, started to call for vaccinations following a surge of infections in several states. In Florida, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis this week pointed to data showing the vast majority of hospitalization, hospitalized COVID-19 patients hadn't received the shots. These vaccines are saving lives, said DeSantis, Ooh. who recently began uh, selling campaign merchandise mocking masks and medical experts, such as Dr. Anthony Fauci, the leading public health official in the U.S. and advisor to the U.S. president. We've got a little clip that I'm sure you've already seen of Dr. Fauci and uh, Rand Paul going back and forth that we're going to play a little bit later. But uh, um, 
the leading public health official in the U.S. and advisor to the U.S. president? He, yeah, well, look at Joe Biden. He's not the U.S. president, but uh, the advisor to uh, a fake paper president. But yeah, Anthony Fauci's in deep shit, and we're, we all know it. The only one that doesn't seem to know it is Anthony Fauci. Now, will anything happen while we've got a a, a, a fake presidency in the White House? Uh, probably not, but we'll see. You know, as you guys know, we're following the election fraud closely too, and it's making leaps and bounds. Uh, there's all sorts of problems for paper president muffins. He's not clear of uh, this election fraud at all whatsoever. Sorry, I'm getting off topic. <laughs> Uh, the White House, which is trying to push higher rates of vaccination, said that it is a beginning to it is beginning to see a, a slight rise in uptake in some states, such as Arkansas, Florida, Louisiana, Missouri, and Nevada, where COVID cases are soaring. One doctor in Birmingham, Alabama, <clears throat> has told of how patients dying with COVID have pleaded to be vaccinated, despite it being too late to do so. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they were probably asking for ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. You know, one the one the actual proven prophylaxis, and the other one that's actually a cure. You know, and has the clinical studies to show it. Unlike these fucking so-called vaccines. Sorry, I'm swearing a lot already, my friends. <laughs> Make sure the kids are out of the room for this one. The uptick in infections has inu inuated some hospitals in the U.S. South, leading to increasing calls for people to take available shots. The fourth surge is real. And the numbers are quite frightening at the moment, John Bell Edwards, governor of Louisiana, said on a New Orleans radio show. Edwards, a Democrat, added, There's no doubt that we are going in the wrong direction, and we're going there in a hurry. <clears throat> More than 600,000 people in the U.S. have died so far due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, that, that number... We could easily pick that number apart if we wanted to break it down, because... All, 90% of them had underlying health conditions. So if you just go with that, you know, you can take you can take a big portion of that away because COVID was an after effect of probably being in a hospital, being exposed to it when you're already on your deathbed. Anyway, we don't have to get into that right now. Uh, the worst death toll in the world and Republican strategists have warned that the party may be blamed by its voters if this total keeps climbing with further COVID outbreaks. Oh, the Guardian is such trash. Such trash. My God. I think they finally realized that if their people aren't vaccinated, they're going to get sick. And if their people aren't vaccinated, they're going to get blamed for COVID outbreaks in the future, said the GOP pollster Frank Luntz. But polling, <clears throat> but polling of those who are unvaccinated has shown that many have made up their minds not to get the jab. Well, yeah, you're not going to change the minds now and blaming and going along with this false narrative that we've seen coming from a fucking year ago is not going to change anybody's minds to get themselves tainted by a globalist experimental mRNA injection full of graphene oxide. Man, man, oh man. So now let's, uh, <clears throat> let's stay on this, this thought pattern right here because this article was chocked full of, of misleading information. And let's, uh, let's go to a source here. Let's go to Dr. Peter McCullough. Um, he says, in reality, that it's about 50% of COVID, uh, current COVID-19 infections are coming from the vaccinated. So let's hear what he has to say about this. He knew even in the spring in the United States, our CDC had a fully documented 10,000 cases of vaccine failures by the end of May. So we knew the vaccines were even failing before the Delta variant moved in. 
and in fact, the CDC gave up on this, and they, and they started doing what's called asymmetric reporting, meaning that they were not going to count vaccine failures in the COVID-19 rates, and that's how the talking points were generated. Americans should know that uh, the CDC, by the end of May, had announced asymmetric reporting of COVID-19. This is important to understand that they were only going to report COVID-19 community cases in those that were unvaccinated, that they were no longer going to track COVID-19 in those who had received vaccination. And if they became aware, if the first test was obtained in the hospital and they were vaccinated, they would try to link it up with vaccine databases. But otherwise, the CDC is intentionally and willfully blind through breakthrough cases for COVID-19 vaccination. So that's what's created the false and fraudulent talking point that 99% of American cases are unvaccinated. It's not true. It's probably roughly 50-50. And that's what we're seeing in practice. We have about half the cases are indeed vaccine failures. This is being called a pandemic among the unvaccinated. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. A pandemic of the unvaccinated. This is an epidemic that's occurring in the unvaccinated. We're seeing a pandemic among the unvaccinated. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. The Centers for Disease Control says unvaccinated Americans are driving these numbers, accounting for nearly all deaths and almost all of the hospitalizations. We are seeing outbreaks of cases in parts of the country that have low vaccination coverage because unvaccinated people are at risk. So it's gonna find those pockets in each community where people aren't vaccinated and it's gonna do a lot of damage. So you even get a clip of the fake mainstream news running with that story, the same one that we basically just went through with uh, uh, Alabama's Kate Ivey. <clears throat> so <clears throat> there you have it. Like the CDC actually released that information. We knew that before this, this whole narrative even started. So are you surprised? No. Am I surprised? No. Is it is it funny to actually see them actually running with this? No, not at all. It's not funny. It's it's actually enraging because this they are they're trying to single those of us that have basically chosen to stay out of this experiment. They're trying to single us out. And this is just the start. You know, it's going to get to the point where they're going to uh well, let's get into what they're going to do here in Saskatchewan. Uh, this next article comes to us from the Regina Leader Post. <clears throat> and uh, the title reads, eHealth Sask working with feds on national vaccine passport. And as you guys know from the last show, this is the first step towards a social credit system. Um, they, are tr- they are going to, if they can get this vaccine passport through and uh, basically restrict our travel um, due to medical procedures, which I don't know about you, but this pretty much falls exactly under medical discrimination i would love to see a uh, crowdsource class action lawsuit against this one and i'm sure we will uh i, I as as we've covered the uh uh the center for justice um, constitutional freedoms in canada is watching this quite closely so <clears throat> there is going to be pushback on this so anyway but like i was saying this is the first step to a social credit system where uh, you can be done, denied all service. And, and um, if you're basically one of us, you wouldn't be allowed to shop. You wouldn't be allowed health care. You wouldn't be allowed anything. And the only really good retort I've seen so far to that from average people is saying, well, look, if you're going to exclude us from all the social programs that we're playing, paying for, then why in the fuck would we ever pay you taxes? <laughs> and that's a very good point. 
And when you honestly think about it, if you're going to go down this path where you're just going to exclude those of us that have chosen our medical freedom and we're just not partaking in an experiment and you're going to restrict all our freedoms and all the benefits that we normally enjoy as being Canadian, well, then why would we ever pay into your system? Why would we do that? And that's that's a serious question. <clears throat> anyway, let's get let's get into what Saskatchewan's uh, the Scatch is doing here. Saskatchewan is joining other provinces in partnering with the federal government to create a national vaccine passport. This was written by Lynn Giesbrick on July 21st, 2021. Okay, eHealth Saskatchewan, the Treasury Board Crown Corporation that manages residents' electronic health records, is sharing with the federal government how its information system works and how this vaccination data could be used in a vaccine passport. This information sharing process is underway, the Ministry of Health said in an emailed statement, noting that this information all provinces are uh, noting this is information all provinces are sharing with the federal government. The province of Saskatchewan has always indicated that we would work with the federal government to develop COVID-19 immunization certificates that will be recognized as proof of vaccination status, it said. The Ministry of Health emphasized in its email it was not creating a provincial vaccine passport. Dennis Kendall, a health policy consultant in Saskatoon, said any attempt to separate the concept of national vaccine passport from a provincial one sounds like double speak. He is pleased to hear Saskatchewan is partnering, partnering with the federal government on a vaccine passport as he expects such a document will be necessary for international travel. But he said a national passport can just as easily be used within the province by those seeking vaccination proof. The most rigorous standard is going to be the federal standard that will enable us to move between countries. But if one is needed to show proof of full vaccination for any purpose in Saskatchewan, the same document could serve that purpose, Kendall said. If you have this national document, then that could be the standard of proof. Premier Scott Moe has previously shot down the idea of provincial vaccine passports and said proof of vaccination will not be required for events such as Rough Rider Games at Mosaic Stadium. The Public Health Agency of Canada said in an emailed statement Tuesday that the federal government is exploring the, uh, the considerations and potential uses of proof of vaccination credentials to facilitate international travel and manage the border. Preserving the privacy of residents is one aspect to be being considered, along with what international standards will be. Provinces and territories own and maintain health registries. Any proof of vaccination credentials would be designed so that privacy of medical information is preserved and data is only shared when, when a credential holder decides to share it, the PHAC email said. PHAC did not provide any kind of timeline for when the federal government was hoping to roll out these passports. High numbers of vaccines coming in as demand dwindles. Oh, and a little bit more information on uh, on the the vaccine rollout in the, in the sketch here. <clears throat> Actually, let's cover this. Saskatchewan received more than 97,000 Pfizer vaccine doses this week, but the daily vaccination rates continue to show signs of demand slowing down. Just 2,636 doses were administered on Monday, with 2,184 of those being used as second doses. Sunday also saw less than 3,000 new shots given out, even as another 180,000 Pfizer doses are expected to arrive in the province over the next two weeks. So, you get why this is relevant. You get why we covered it. Um, you know, this is this is just what they're... They're, 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 you know, with this, with us knowing this much about it already, we know this that we know that this is what they're pushing for, 
And uh, the fact that the Scatch is now partaking in uh, basically illegally, I, I, I would personally want my, you know, to be asked uh, to share my medical information with the Canadian federal government, considering I don't trust them at all. But do you think anybody's going to ask me? No, no, hell no. Anyway, <clears throat> so in the midst of all this, we have a, a health official in Australia coming out and actually telling us the actual numbers for his area. And I just want you to, to, to listen to this because it goes directly, it basically 100% contradicts this narrative that they're trying to, uh, trying to sell us on, which is that it's an unvaccinated uh, pandemic. Listen to this. 41 people are in hospital with COVID at present and 43 are in intensive care, 18 of whom require ventilation. So this is a very serious disease. Of those 141, 60 um, are under the age of 55 and 28 under the age of 35. And of the 43 people in intensive care, uh, one is in their teens, seven are in their 20s, three are in their 30s, 14 are in their 50s, and 12 are in their 60s, and six are in their 70s. So this is affecting people of all ages with very serious disease. All but one um, are vaccinated. One person has just received one dose of vaccine. All but one um, are vaccinated. One person has just received one dose of vaccine. All but one um, are vaccinated. One person has just received one dose of vaccine. So that uh, directly contradicts what we're <laughs> what we're seeing um, with our media and our our politicians. Uh, this guy obviously didn't get the memo uh, to to lie about this and and uh, hide this fact, but. Um, so, you know, out of 141 cases that he was talking about, 141 new cases, all of them are vaccinated. He said the one, the all but one are vaccinated and the other one case is a single vax. So not a, not a single person in his region. Now, I don't have any more information on this one, but this comes to us from Deanna. Thanks, Deanna. This was a really cool post and it kind of tied right perfectly into the show today. But... Um, <clears throat> So I don't I don't have much more for details about that one, but it is it just goes directly against everything that we're seeing, and no surprise there. Um, <clears throat> we're fully aware uh, that this is just a false narrative, and I think more and more people, and that's the that's the thing is they won't be able to cover that they they won't be able to cover this up come the fall in Canada, uh, because it's going to be the vaccinated that are going to be hospitalized, and that's why the push is so hard right now to get as many people globally uh, get this globalist injection into these people and get them tainted now, because in the fall everybody's going to realize it was a to total lie, because it is going to be the vaccinated that are having troubles. It's going to be the single and double vaccinated people that are going to have grief in Canada, which is exactly what a lot of doctors have been saying all along. That when these people come into contact with a uh, native, or or you know the original or some of the so-called variants, which I'm not 100% sold on myself, as you guys know. But if they get come into contact with these, they're going to have grief because <clears throat> they've, they've taught their body to fight only one specific strand of it. If they even did that, 
Like, I, I'm st seriously doubting these injections' ability. Like, when you think of the, the content of these injections that the uh, Spanish researchers uncovered, um, it, it's... I don't know what I don't know how else to describe these injections, but death shots, because it's just going to cause havoc for these people down the road. Not to mention that if they they come in contact with any type of new strain of COVID nineteen, which does happen naturally, uh, you know, and 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 has with every virus that has hit the planet, except for every other virus, uh, variants become less um, less detrimental. They don't they don't uh, they don't kill you, whereas COVID. It seems like they get worse, which is totally new and not natural, not a natural cycle for a virus. So that is just another tip off that this is a completely manufactured virus. If these variants are even real, um, you know, that it always brings around the question is uh, the PCR test can't actually distinguish between variants. So how do they know that they have variants? How do they, what are they testing with? How do they know they have variants? Like they don't have any, pr I don't know. I haven't, I'm, I'm not a doctor as you know, but it just doesn't seem like it makes any sense whatsoever with a, with a test that basically can find anything it wants in the body. So you're just calling it a variant because it just looks a little bit different. It's still coronavirus, but it's, it's got a little tick here. It's not quite the same spike protein. So that's a variant. Who knows? Now let's focus on another post by Deanna in the telegram page. She got some pretty cool information that came out of Israel and, um, it, it's exposing um, the opposite narrative of what these people are all claiming. Now, the whole chart goes through the age group. Uh, all the age groups in Israel uh, confirmed cases from July 11th to J July 17th. Now, in the age group of 20 to 29, um, cases of COVID-19, cases fully uh, in fully vaccinated people was 441. In unvaccinated people, it was 124. Percentage of cases in fully vaccinated, 78.1. Uh, in 30 to 39, cases in fully vaccinated was 481. Cases in unvaccinated people was 127. In 40 to 49, it was uh, cases in fully vaccinated people was 554. And in unvaccinated people, it was 113. Geez, does this ever sound different than the news that we're getting in, in North America? Doesn't that just seem weird to you? Uh, in 50 to 59, 366 in fully vaccinated people. And in unvaccinated people, there was 53. In 60 to 69, there was 363 cases in fully vaccinated people. And in unvaccinated, there was 33. As the, the older you get, the worse off you are, is what it's looking like. Um, 70 to 79, there was 236 cases in fully vaccinated people and 13 in unvaccinated people. 80 to 89, there was 68 cases in fully vaccinated people and 8 in unvaccinated. 90 plus, there was 14 case, uh, cases in fully vaccinated people and 2 in unvaccinated. And uh, then you can just kind of go down for down a little bit further here. New cases... Um, July 11th to 17th, total new cases for ages 20 plus was 2,996. Fully vaccinated people made up for 2,523 of that, that number, which is 84.2% of that number. Un and then the unvaccinated was 473, which was 15.8%. The deaths, there was a, t a 10 deaths total. Fully vaccinated people made up for eight of those deaths, which easily equates to 80%. And unvaccinated was two. 
How is it possible that we've got two completely, we've got this completely different narrative coming out of our mainstream media and our politicians in North America? Are they unable to look across the pond and see the numbers that we are seeing in, in Israel and everywhere else in the EU that is claiming like, look, like your double vaccinated people are at a higher risk than anybody else right now. And that's, it's the same thing is going to happen here. The exact same thing in the fall. Okay, what we're going to do next is we are going to go back to Dr. Peter McCulloch um, because he's got even bigger claims about what is actually happening. Now, a lot of you are full, probably fully aware that um, it's looking like this, um, <clears throat> the CDC with VAERS, uh, they are not reporting the actual deaths properly. Um, people have figured out that they're actually only reporting like one avenue of it which was the 11,000, I guess we were getting close to probably 12,000, um, and we were all up in arms over that. That number all of a sudden last week took a, took a drastic plummet to about 6,000. So they're, they're, now we know that VAERS is being manipulated. So people have actually gotten even deeper into VAERS, and they're starting to say, yeah, no, it's actually more like around 45,000 to 50,000. Anyway, we'll get into that <clears throat> a little bit later, but um, Dr. Peter McCullough, McCullough co covers this along with a lot of other things. So we're going to listen to about 10 minutes of this uh, interview of him because he's got a whole bunch of other things that I think everybody should be aware of. <clears throat> well, my uh, quick analysis is um, uh, I believe <clears throat> that we're under the application of a form of bioterrorism that's worldwide um, that appears to have been many years in the planning and the, the first wave of the bioterrorism is a respiratory virus that uh, uh, spread across the world and affected relatively few people, about 1% of, of many populations, but um, generated great fear. Uh, the virus was responsible for some deaths uh, in the very frail and elderly, um, but in, in you know, otherwise well people, it was like having the common cold. But that fear uh, was used very quickly and I think surprisingly to generate um, tremendous influences in, in human life, at lockdowns, all the things you know about. Mm -hmm. And every single thing that was done in the public health response to the pandemic uh, made it worse. Uh, so over testing and um, uh, you know, even lockdowns probably made it worse because the virus uh, evolved over time to become more contagious and so every single response uh, made it worse. How I got involved is as a doctor, uh, I thought the virus was gonna be pretty easy to treat once we understood there were three phases, the viral replication, cytokine storm, and thrombosis. And so as I promulgated uh, early treatment, um, I, I started to meet resistance at all levels in terms of actually treating patients and then uh, publishing uh, papers. And so I'm the editor of two major, major journals. I'm in the business of publishing. So fortunately, I had enough publication strength to uh, publish the, basically the only two papers in the entire medical literature that teaches doctors how to treat COVID-19 at home to prevent hospitalization and death. And we did the best we could without any funding or government support. And we demonstrated that, that it results in about an 85% reduction in hospitalization and death. So what we had discovered is that the suppression um, of early treatment was tightly linked to the development of a vaccine. And the entire um, program as this, uh, in a sense, bioterrorism phase one was rolled out, was really all about keeping the population um, 
so, uh, in fear and in isolation and preparing them to accept the vaccine, which appears to be phase two of a bioterrorism operation. Both the respiratory virus and the vaccine uh, deliver to the human body uh, the spike protein, the, the uh, gain of function target of this bioterrorism research. Now, I can't come out and say all that on national TV uh, today or any time, but what we had learned over time is that we could no longer communicate with government agencies. We actually couldn't even communicate with um, our propagandized colleagues in major medical centers, all of which appear to be under a spell, They almost as if they're hypnotized right now. And uh, doctors, good doctors are doing unthinkable things like injecting biologically active messenger RNA that produces this pathogenic spike protein into pregnant women. Uh, I, I think when the doctors wake up from their trance, they're going to be shocked um, to, to think what they've done uh, to people. And so our strategy was to organize. Uh, there are many groups. Um, uh, one group in the United States called C19 that I organized. Uh, many of you get these emails. It's about 1,000 people. Another one's called FLCCC, Frontline Critical Care Consortium. Another worldwide one is called Panda. You may be involved in that. There's also Heart and Bird and COVID Medical Network, uh, Treatment Domiciliary in Italy. It's gotten to the point where people have rallied in the UK and in Germany to rally for early treatment. Uh, governor, uh, governments have actually tried to block even any single milligram of uh, treatment to, to um, uh, individuals. And so we decided by the summer we had to take our message to the people. Uh, we had one physician association that worked with us called the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. We created a home patient guide. Uh, we organized the United States into uh, uh, four national telemedicine services, 15 regional services. Uh, we uh, broke through to the people and the people who got sick with COVID-19 called in, got medications prescribed to local pharmacies or to uh, mail order distribution pharmacies. And so it, without the government really even understanding what was going on, we crushed the uh, epidemic curve in the United States towards the end of December and January. We basically took care of the pandemic with about 500 doctors and telemedicine services. And to this day, we treat about 25% of the US COVID-19 population that actually are at high risk over age 50 with medical problems or present with severe symptoms. And we've basically handled the pandemic. And at the same time, we've tried to uh, keep ourselves above the uh, political fray. And we understand the suppression of early treatment is tightly linked to vaccination. And then we've let all the news on vaccination come out and um, are working to um, change uh, the public view of the vaccine, to, the public initially accepted the vaccine, and we had to kind of slowly turn the ship. And now in the United States, rates of vaccination have been dropping since April 8th. They continue to drop every day. The vaccine centers that I go by are completely empty. And in the United States, they're becoming desperate to try to convince uh, individuals to get a vaccine. They're offering million-dollar lotteries. Um, uh, the, uh, all the universities who are trying to force vaccination are receiving resistance. I'm the lead expert in the Bellwether uh, Houston Methodist case, which is currently being argued before a judge in Texas. It's going to be quickly escalated to the Supreme Court uh, of Texas, where Houston Methodist Hospital, a leading hospital, is attempting to force the employees to receive the vaccine. And uh, we already have word that it's going to be escalated to the Supreme Court case. It'll be a high, very high visibility case. So we have a lot of activity going on in the United States. Um, 
uh, the, uh, we are uh, engaging more and more attorneys. It's great to have uh, you and your team involved, um, you know, on the international level. And I, I imagine we're aligned on almost all the things I said. Uh, let me quickly translate, um, but uh, give us a chance because I, I don't want to be rude, but I for completely forgot to introduce you because I thought that everybody knows you. I think most people well, do, but please tell us a little about right. uh, your so, background. So let me introduce myself. I'm Peter McCullough. I'm an, uh, a professor of medicine at Texas A&M College of Medicine on the Baylor-Dallas campus. Um, I practice internal medicine and cardiology. When the pandemic hit, I refocused all of my efforts on COVID-19. I'm the editor of Reviews in Cardiovascular Medicine. I'm the editor of Cardiorenal Medicine. This is my area of research. Senior Associate Editor of American Journal of Cardiology. I'm the president of the Cardiorenal Society. And in my field about heart and kidney connections, I'm the most published person in my field in the world in history. And I have developed a great experience in treating COVID-19 I've published the two major treatment papers, and I've led the early treatment initiative in the United States. So uh, I have, whether people like it or not, I have uh, uh, declared my medical authority in doing this uh, to a greater extent than anybody in public health agencies or any other media doctors. Thank you so much. Uh, we, uh, we can sure as hell be glad that you're on our side. Um, extremely grateful. Okay, I'm going to translate this. So it appears that in the United States, at least, uh, things are really changing right now. I, I, we've, we, we've clearly had an impact. Uh, I'm in Texas, where we never underwent lockdown. I was a strong proponent of us staying open. Uh, we had 35 uh, uh, treating uh, doctors who are willing to uh, go against their medical centers and treat patients. We um, we're able to convince our governor to uh, put an executive order uh, recognizing natural immunity, uh, uh, banning any vac mandatory vaccines by um, uh, public agencies, banning vaccine passports, banning any discrimination on passports. We recently passed uh, similar legislation for private employers. However, we were unable to get in uh, a ban on private employers mandating the vaccine. <coughs> so that part is going to be um, litigated uh, with the Houston Methodist Bellwether case. We're very active. We have the American Frontline Doctors <coughs> as another group that has a temporary restraining order in against pediatric vaccination filed in Alabama. And we have uh, cases filed um, in uh, um, the state of Maine against uh, uh, false, falsely coding um, the test results are positive uh, on inflating the number of cases and deaths. We have um, uh, a variety of activities. We have uh, allies in Washington, Senator Ron Johnson and Senator Rand Paul. Uh, we have allies in the media, uh, largely Fox News and Real News um, and uh, OAN. We don't yet have CNN or MSNBC. But the C-19 group that I loosely formed, we now are on national TV almost every night in the United States to provide a, a counter viewpoint uh, to, to Anthony Fauci and Walensky at the CDC and NIH. And, and we bring on different experts and continue to uh, appear to the American people that we have more scientific credibility than the agencies. 
And why do you think that is that this, uh, you know, this window of opportunity has opened for you to be on on national TV? I mean, that's quite something. I mean, here this at this point, you know, this is impossible, basically. Well, we had some help in the media. We had some open eyed people who were willing to give some high level interviews. We have uh, good social media contacts all over the world that really amplified things. Um, Although we're consistently shut down on Twitter and YouTube, we've, we continue to find new strategies to uh, get the points out. We're very evidence-based. Um, you know, the United States, uh, we're a whole country of rebels and people who want to break the law. And, and uh, you know, that's who we are. And so we have, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Children's Health Defense Fund, uh, Robert F. Kennedy, Uh, Dell Bigtree, we have some very big figures. I mean, we've had Senator Rand Paul come out and say, listen, I'm not taking the vaccine. I've, I've had COVID-19, so did Senator Johnson. Sebastian Gorka, who interviewed me, um, he was used to be in the uh, Trump administration. He interviewed me. He's going to come out on Sunday night and say he took hydroxychloroquine and defeated COVID-19 in December. He's not taking the vaccine. So, um, you know, we have to have people be making these public statements. Uh, um, uh, um, Uh, uh, you know, with, uh, on, uh, for instance, on, um, on uh, Real TV with Dan Ball coming up in a few hours, uh, he's going to come on and say he's not taking the vaccine. Uh, we've helped uh, shut down the uh, Los Angeles School District from mandating the vaccine. His kids go to school there. They've backed off on the mandates. So we're working very hard. This is the strategy. We so he, uh, as you can tell, he's pretty much the highest credential person so far to be speaking out. Um, the only reason you haven't heard his name before is because they've actively been censoring him. Now, he, later on in the interview, I'm just going to quote him because I, we don't have time to listen to the whole thing. It's it's quite a, quite a long interview. It's probably about 50 minutes. <clears throat> But here's a quote uh, directly from him. We now we have now a whistleblower inside the CMS, and we have two whistleblowers in the CDC. We think we have 50,000 dead Americans, 50,000 deaths. So we actually have more deaths due to the vaccine per day than certainly the viral illness by far. It's basically propagandized bioterrorism by injection. So that's um, just to try and tie up that loose end, because I told you that he, he basically came out and told us um, that, you know, it's, it's up around 45,000, 50,000 deaths. From the vaccine and now i know i'm fully aware that there's other people reporting on this too people have figured out how to get into vares and now since they have vares has basically been manipulated so <clears throat> but it's looking like the real numbers just in the u.s alone is around the 50,000 mark now this is uh, absolutely staggering absolutely staggering and so <clears throat> what i want to do is is play for you guys um the hearing with uh, anthony fauci when Rand paul went after him and uh You know, uh, Fauci did a good job in, in maintaining his cool uh, via his words, but it was actually his physical appearance that really uh, let it show that he was sweating bullets. Uh, he was shaking. He was visibly shaking. And so <clears throat> I, I want to I play this for you because uh, Rand Paul went right at him, and, and Rand Paul is by far my most favorite senator now. <laughs> Not that he wasn't before, but I, I've always liked him, but he just... He, he's taking it to him. Uh, he wants to get uh, he wants to get Anthony Fauci charged, and it's just great to see because he he deserves to hang. If you want my honest to god opinion, his his involvement in the creation of COVID 19 the gain of function, probably the planning of the actual releasing of the virus, all of it. He's linked to it all. This guy is a 
genocidal maniac that doesn't have a conscience uh, to do what he did. Anyway, let's get into this uh, Senate hearing. You are aware it is a crime to lie to Congress. Section 1001 of the U.S. Criminal Code creates a felony and a five-year penalty for lying to Congress. On your last trip to our committee on May 11th, you stated that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And yet, gain-of-function research was done entirely in the Wuhan Institute by Dr. Xi and was funded by the NIH. I'd like to ask unanimous consent to insert into the record the Wuhan virology paper entitled Discovery of a Rich Gene Pool of Bat SARS-Related Coronaviruses. Please deliver a copy of the journal article to Dr. Fauci. In this paper, Dr. Xi credits the NIH and lists the actual number of the grant that she was given by the NIH. In this paper, she took two bat coronavirus genes, spike genes, and combined them with a SARS-related backbone to create new viruses that are not found in nature. These lab-created viruses were then shown to replicate in humans. These experiments combine genetic information from different coronaviruses that infect animals, but not humans, to create novel artificial viruses able to infect human cells. Viruses that in nature only infect animals were manipulated in the Wuhan lab to gain the function of infecting humans. This research fits the definition of the research that the NIH said was subject to the pause in 2014 to 2017, a pause in funding on gain of function. But the NIH failed to recognize this, defines it away, and it never came under any scrutiny. Dr. Richard E. Bright, a molecular biologist from Rutgers, described this research in Wuhan as, the Wuhan lab used NIH funding to construct novel chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses able to infect human cells and laboratory animals. This is high-risk research that creates new potential pandemic pathogens, potential pandemic pathogens that exist only in the lab, not in nature. This research matches, these are Dr. Ebright's words, this research matches, indeed epitomizes, the definition of gain-of-function research done entirely in Wuhan, for which there was supposed to be a federal pause. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Your microphone. Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain of function. So what was, let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its yeah, transmissibility yeah, to humans, right. you're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. And, and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially. You do not know what you are talking about. Let's okay, you get NIH, one person. Let's read from the NIH definition of gain of function. This is your definition that you guys wrote. It says that scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain of function.
They took animal viruses that only occur in animals and they increased their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain of function. It is not. It's a dance and you're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility for four million people dying around the world okay. from a pandemic. And let's let Dr. Fauci. I have to, well, now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the, the, the grant that was funded as a sub-award from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2. That's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. It didn't I come can, from the lab, but you, all the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab, you, and there will be responsibility for those who funded the right. lab, including yourself. I totally This committee resent, will allow the witness to respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator, because if you look at the viruses that were used in the experiments that were given in the annual reports that were published in the literature, it is molecularly impossible. No one's saying those it, viruses it is, caused it. It no is, one is molecularly. That those virus caused the pandemic. What we're alleging is that gain of function research was going on in that lab and NIH funded it. That is you can't not. Get away from it. It meets your definition and you are obfuscating the truth. I'm not obfuscating the truth. Senator you Paul's are the one. Time is expired, but I will allow the witness to. Let me just finish. I want everyone to understand that if you look at those viruses, and that's judged by qualified virologists and evolutionary biologists. Those viruses are molecularly impossible no one's to result they are. No in SARS-CoV-2. the pandemic. Paul, we're look, saying they are gain-of-function viruses because they were they're animal not. viruses that became more transmissible in human, and you funded it. And you, you admit the truth. And you implying. Senator Paul, your time has expired, and I will allow witnesses right. who come before this committee to respond. And, and you are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual. I totally resent that. And if anybody is lying been. here, Senator, it is you. Sorry, you are lying. Uh, Senator Sack. Smith. Tweak is your. So there you have it. There's the face off between Rand Paul and uh, that lion sack of shit, Anthony Fauci. And he is responsible, in my opinion. You know, Rand Paul's spot on. He's. Uh, he, he basically told him, like, look, this is your definition of gain of function. You funded it. And in, instead, he's dancing around it, like completely dancing around it and mad about it, like extremely mad. <laughs> he's caught. He knows it. You know, like I was saying at the, in the beginning of the show, is anything going to become of it? Well, probably not. Not, in, not until we get, of the, get rid of this farce of a fake presidency we got going on. So the election fraud has to come first before we can actually deal with genocidal maniacs like a Dr. Anthony Fauci. Shouldn't even have that doctor in front of him. From everybody, all the heavily qualified people that talk about uh, Dr. so-called Dr. Anthony Fauci, they say he's a moron. And you can tell by the way he acts with Rand Paul here that he's an ego egotistical maniac too. Anyway, my friends, that brings us to the end of this show. If you have information or if you have something, uh, some comments or anything that you'd like to add or... Uh, comment on on the show you can find us on lifelog facebook at uh, canadian patriot radio the message button is what you use it comes directly to me if you prefer email it's canadian patriot radio at gmail.com uh, you can also find us on telegram it's t.me backslash canadian patriot radio there's a conversation going on on that page 247 
And if you don't like any of those options, you can use the email, or the email. You can find our website at CanadianPatriotRadio.ca. Uh, thank you so much, my friends, for joining us for another episode. And until next time, in all thy sons, command. joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care. <laughs>